listen properly. I've always admired you guys from afar. Um, I've had the liberty of working with you, Dumeleng, before. Um, the reason why I selected both of you, because both of you are both, well, former on-air personalities. Both are obviously station managers. And both of you have a strong passion for broadcasting. And I think as campus radios, as campus station managers, I think you guys are like incubators in many ways. Um, let me start with you. What's your love for broadcasting? Why on earth do you like broadcasting? Sure. <laughs> um, most answers you get will go something like, hey, you know, since I was young, I loved listening to radio and, 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 <laughs> and <laughs> I would say for me, my love for broadcasting is mostly influenced, is influenced by, by my upbringing. I, I grew up in the villages, um, born and bred there. And radio was our primary source of information growing up. Um, TV was there. It was black and white at the time, I think, when I was growing up. And even when people moved to color TV and stuff, um, it was still a few privileged uh, individuals in the village that would, you know, have that excitement about TV. So we mostly relied on radio for most of the things you know new music and uh, the radio dramas and documentaries that were there in our times um we grew up listening to you know i grew up in the Boputetswana homeland so um, there was that vibe around radio mabatu radio bob you know and so the personalities were yeah i would say i i found the content very interesting um, because it um, it mostly dealt with issues that affected me as a young person growing up in Mahikeng uh, back in those years. One, two, it um, it gave us an opportunity also to engage. You know, they there was a radio station back in the years called Radio Sunshine. Um, they would just come to the village and do an OB for the whole day there. You know, and everybody will be just all excited. So that's when it it just kicked in, you know. It, I found it very interesting. I found it very exciting. And I was like, I think one day I should consider doing something like this. And then, boom, my my love for broadcasting just kept going and going. That's, that's where it all started. Is it fair to say that you had an unfair advantage? Um, and the reason why I'm saying this is because, you know, Radio Bop is always known for its imaginative and carried so many so many characters and so many guys who just limp, cemented the way for south african broadcasting today so do you think that kind of propelled you into what you're doing now well advantage yes unfair i'm not sure <laughs> if it was an unfair <laughs> yeah. advantage but advantage most definitely i mean we we grew up around these guys and they had a lot of influence um you know, also in, in how we do things. So I would say it was an advantage for me because the facilities were two taxis away or one bus fare away. And there was that open door policy where we could always visit the studios and see what is happening. And and yeah, so so it is an advantage. And the, you know, benefit I benefited a lot from how Radio Bob did radio back in the years. It gave me an opportunity to, you know, 
forged relationships with people like Kaya Ku, Chris Mutabi, who I still talk to now, you know, um, the late Bob Mabena, the late Tsebo Manyapilo. So those were the type of individuals that one would always want to be around just to learn. And also because of the influence they had in society, you know, always had that thing that I'm, I'm hanging out with the big dogs. <laughs> so it, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Leah, let's talk about you. Um, what's your why? Why do you love broadcasting so much? Because yours is a bit different. Um, I think you've got a more journalistic background, but what got you more into, what got you behind the mic? Well, to be perfectly honest, um, when I decided that I wanted to go into radio, uh, I decided, I think when I was about 18 years old, um, I was an exceptionally shallow 18-year-old, and I literally wanted to get into radio because I wanted to be famous. Um, this is before, obviously, I learned about the What a way to break that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is before I understood about radio's power. Um, and what an incredible medium it is uh, to connect people. Um, so before I'd learned all of that, literally I got in, I was, it was a purely selfish reason for me. I wanted to be famous and I wanted people to hear what I had to say. I had no idea that it wasn't about me at all and that it's about the listener and everything is about the listener and what they want and what you're giving them. Um, so when I started out like that, I very quickly learned that this was not going to be the way that I was going to become successful in this medium. Um, so I quickly learned that radio, like I said, is about the listener. And as I carried on in my journey, I started as a presenter. And as you mentioned, I then moved into the journalism side of things. Um, and then from there, kind of more up into, into management positions. Um, but along the way, I learned about the incredible power that, that radio holds. And that power is to connect people um, and to bring people together um, using this medium that is so powerful and has such a massive, massive reach. Um, and it's free, accessible to all. Um, so for me, that, that, was, that is now my passion for radio, for this medium. Uh, it's gone from being a completely self-centered, selfish one um, in the beginning. And this medium has taught me what it's about and what its power is. Um, and so for me, that's what makes me so passionate about it. I just love the fact that you can reach so many people um, and touch them at a really personal level um, using this medium, assuming, of course, uh, you're putting out good content, uh, which hopefully everyone is doing. Um, so yeah, that for me is it, it's to bring people together across such a vast expanse um, at no cost. I think that is extremely true. Um, I think that content speaks volume. And in many ways, you're perfectly right that I think not many people like yourself admit of getting to broadcasting because yes i want to be famous i want to be looked at but i think the transition of knowing how to engage with the audience as not being self-centered any you know all the time is very important and i think with you leanne is a little it's a little different because for some of you who admits of being self-centered and being a remarkable station manager now at tux fm how do you how do you draw from that because now you're not behind the mic anymore how's your role how's your role there um how do you how do you how do you well, well behind the scenes how do you aim to impact people's lives but not being behind the mic well now i think my position is all the more important because i get to decide the station the, the the direction that the station as a whole is moving in and that of course then has a knock-on effect for the audience so the decisions that I make, or not only me, but with the support of my team, obviously, the decisions that we make in terms of the direction 
direction that the radio station is going to take and the type of content that we're going to be putting out there, um, that in turn will affect our listeners and the people who are consuming our content. So if I'm making bad decisions for our markets, if, I'm, if I don't know my market, if I don't know what they want, when they want it, and how they want to consume the content that we're putting out there, I'm not going to be doing them a service. And at the end of the day, campus radio is all about the community. It's, it's a community-based medium, obviously. Um, so we are there to serve our community. We're not a profit um, based radio station like the commercials are. We are not in existence to make money. We are in existence to make a, a difference in the lives of our community. And so if I'm making, if I'm missing the mark with the decisions that I'm making in terms of the content that we're putting out and the direction that the station is moving in, I'm doing a massive, massive disservice to my market because I won't be reaching them how they want to be reached, when they want to be reached, and with the content that they want to be reached. So yeah, for me, it's it's all the more important to position. I get to, I get to guide the station so so that we can best uh, service our market properly. Jimiling, you, um, you, well, at NWFM, um, you've got the student market, you've always got the broader community, just like Leanne says. Um, do you kind of share the same sentiment? Do you think that um, your content speaks to, you know, do you, have, do you have to have specific content for students and specific content for the broader community? Or do you just use that same content to feed the entire community and the students as a whole? Yeah, well, I, I do share a lot of sentiments with Leanne around the, the listenership and also the business model. So business that does not mean that you necessarily exist for profit, but you also have to generate some money to, to run operations of the radio station. So we, we classify our audiences in, in different levels. So we've got a primary target audience and as enshrined uh, in the licensing conditions, we need to give more focus uh, to the Northwest University community that's being the students uh, working with internal and external uh, stakeholders. But we also not blind to the fact that we've got other people that are not Northwest University FM listeners, but they do um, listen to the radio station. So. So yeah, we, we try and strike the balance, but obviously we give more preference to NWU students because we, that is our primary uh, target audience. So let's talk about advertising now. And um, yes. the reality is a lot of advertisers come into campus radio stations, obviously with a, a certain benefit or you know, a certain illusion of what's going to happen. Now, how hard is it for campus radio stations to strike that balance? Because on one hand, like you say, you're communicating with the community. And on the other hand, you're essentially you're communicating with students. Yeah, um, I think that the, um, it, in fact, I believe that it's a responsibility of the radio station management yeah. to get a broader understanding of their target audience um, in relation to the type of content they offer. Um, I'm saying this because that is what we do. We look beyond BRC and all other forms of researches that are come that are coming out. Yeah. So because we are a university radio station, we've got a faculty and a department of population studies and research. So we make use of the postgraduate students to to help us strike that balance. So when we pitch for a client or when a client wants to advertise the radio station we know what type of content uh, is streamlined to a target audience that the client would find appealing 
So if you've got, like we are running APSA now, for example, and APSA says, uh, guys, we need um, to run a campaign on on student accounts or encouraging students to do to open student bank accounts with us. We know the type of shows that um, uh, would get more audience for the type of advert that we, or the type of campaign that APSA is pushing. So we... We, we, we take our audience very seriously. We always randomly sending uh, questionnaires. Sometimes we have call-in problem, uh, programs and there are times where we engage with um, uh, outside residents, students, just to get a feel um, of the type of content they want. So we, we strike the balance by doing research that is uh, listener-oriented. We, we go out of our way to understand the type of listener that we have so that so that we don't get confused when when we pitch for for ads and or when clients come and want uh, us to advertise our pro uh, product. So we also don't only rely on on spot ads. We also design programs and pitch for sponsorships because there is another misconception that radio is only about us, you know, getting those thirty second sports ads, uh, sports advertising. But we, we do more than that. We do activations in malls. We, you know, we, we design radio programs and radio documentaries around gender-based violence, around financial literacy, and identify potential sponsors. So, so that is basically how we strike the balance. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, it does indeed. How, how, so I would assume that re- requires a lot of qualitative research. Yes, a lot of qualitative uh, a combination of qualitative and quantitative research because we we need the numbers which is quantitative but you also need the quality in the numbers that we have so if we if we embark on that type of research we we sort of like um you know juxtapose the methodologies to ensure that we get a balanced results Leanne, Tux FM traditionally has been doing remarkably well with advertisers and communicating the right messages. How do you guys strike that balance in regards to talking to a lot of people in Pretoria and a lot of you know your communities, but also people, the students, and ensuring that there's the right messaging um, from advertisers to students and the communities? Well, I think the creative element um, is very, very important here. So especially when it comes to a student market, um, this is a a market that's been born into a digital era. So um, skipping ads is basically in their DNA. Um, So it's our job to make sure that the adverts that are going out on our platforms, so be that digital adverts in the form of social media, or obviously your on-air adverts, um, live reads, whatever the case may be, Um, contains information that is suited to our market. So for us, like you said, we speak to a broader youth market. We don't necessarily only speak to a student market. So yes, we are obviously a student radio station, um, but we speak to a much broader youth market um, in the Twane area. Um, And so for us, we focus on basically a 20-year-old person um, in our area. And we know that person inside and out. Um, so it was like a Tumiling was saying earlier, you need to know your market. Um, and so our markets, we don't necessarily say it's a student 
or it's a person in X community or Y community, we say this is a 20-year-old person that is our core listener. That is who we're speaking to. And so we target all of our messaging, all of our content uh, to that specific person. And we do in-depth research, regular research. Um, we use external companies. We use uh, university-related um, departments and faculties, like Atumaling said, they do as well, um, so that we know that market. Um, and then the creative element in that is so important. So giving them that advertising message um, in a way that is will, will make them consume it and actually hear it um, and then obviously act on it um, is, the, is the end goal. Um, so, yeah, the creative element is very, very important there. Um, you've got to make that content consumable to our market, a market which, like I said, was born into the skip ads era. Um, so, yeah, it's very important to just know that market very well. Um, and so you can give them that content in a consumable form. Whatever young people consume t- tends to change all the time. So I'd assume that that's how important your research is. It has to be quite, quite regular. And is that what you're insinuating? Exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, especially with the advances in technology, which are happening at a rate of knots all the time. Again, you know, um, um, our market was born into the digital era. They are digital natives. They live the digital, whatever it is. So anytime there's a new technology which comes about and disrupts what we're doing, we need to move along with that and evolve along with it. And we need to evolve our content and our messaging uh, accordingly. So, yes, we it's it's in it's vital that we're doing up-to-date regular research all the time on our market Um, and the more high-tech that uh, data is that we get the better Um, so obviously things like surveys focus groups those those kinds of things are important Uh, but also to understand the broader market and and doing that using softwares and that kind of thing which is now available to mine the the hordes of data that is out there and that's also important so you need to do it on a macro and a micro level I feel uh, to understand your your audience as well as you need to to really speak to them you and I have always spoken about um, the numbers game and uh, how people tend to always get the wrong. And numbers tend to play, it seems like numbers tend to play a role um, with media planners who don't necessarily understand the fabric of an audience. And I've stated that many commercial radio stations seem, not, seem to not get that right. Now, many times their audience do not engage effectively with radio station, radio activations, radio advertising, social media and so on. Uh, is it still about listenership or do you think it's about live by the numbers and die by the numbers? Well, it's, um, it's a bit complex. I think it just depends. It's, what can I say? It's, it's circumstantial. Um, I would not, you know, confidently say it's about live by the numbers, die by the numbers. It's, um, it's all about what the brand needs. Uh, yeah. or what the client needs, you know. You've got clients that sell a type of product that would ascribe to live by the numbers, die by the numbers. But then you get a client that wants more details, a client that is more interest, that is interested in, in more than the numbers. And um, so it's, um, I think it's, uh, it's a jungle, you know. For me, uh, it just depends on, on on what the client needs, and I think the most important thing it's for it's it's for us to ensure that we give the client what what the client needs. And but I just need to add that we need to move away. I'm not a big fan of live by the numbers, die by the numbers, but I'm a big fan of live by the numbers and understand 
the quality of numbers. We need to move to a point where we are able to analyze the numbers. I mean, um, artificial intelligence is a very uh, interesting concept because when you look at the building blocks of artificial intelligence, especially around issues of, um, of analytics, be it Google yeah. analytics or social media analytics, you know, it has, I think, introduced the concept of, of smartly separating the numbers and knowing what to do with certain numbers and what not to do with certain numbers, but still, but still keeping the numbers. I'm, I hope I'm making sense. But how so credible we, is that information? But how credible is that information? Because, I mean, social media can only give you, you know, as much credible information as it can. So how do you, yeah. how do you measure from that? And, I mean, I'm not disputing what you're saying, but I also argue that sometimes social media doesn't give you a valid number and how much people will actually truly engage with activations, for instance. Yeah, well, I think the, the numbers you get from social media are authentic. I think the credibility thereof should be the the analysis of the numbers okay. you know that you get you know if if for example you say i managed to get uh, 380,000 impressions there's a difference between 380,000 impressions and 380,000 likes and 380,000 views you know and 380,000 comments so it is very important for you to you know comprehensively analyze the numbers the credibility is we can question to a certain extent or to a certain degree because views does not mean you watch the whole video i mean leon was talking about skipping ads you know the people that will skip ads so that ad was part of the video but you can't skip a mention for example you know yeah it's, it's there it's on your face boom when you're still listening like oh by the way such and such about a certain insurance company so for me the, the 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 reality needs to come or the credibility of the numbers should be determined by how we analyze and give um, results of the, our understanding um, of the numbers so so that is that is my long held view i still i still live by that view um, you should be able to advocate for the numbers if you say you've got 10 people we need to know if those 10 people think alike if they don't you need to convince us why you believe they don't think alike. And also, we need to embrace convergence. You know, um, we live in, some people say we're in the fourth industrial revolution. I think in SA, we still have a couple of uh, miles to run before we can say we are in, in the fourth industrial revolution. But the type of economy that we live in now, um, I think, needs us to think like that. So if you have somebody who comes to you and say, Garabo, I need to advertise one, two, three, four, five in your platform, you should be able to confidently say, these are the numbers that I'm able to attract. But you can't just flash Facebook lives, you know, and impressions. We need other, um, you know, or we should we say complementing information about your presence in other platforms because you don't just exist in that specific platform and then the analysis and the recommendation or the conclusion that comes from uh, from the from those numbers would the client would then say to you i think i can put something or i can put money on on some of the spots that you have available leanne do you share the same sentiment 
Uh, I think, yes, numbers, unfortunately, are still a major thing for most clients. Um, I am not an, a fan of numbers at all. Um, I think it's more about the lifestyle. So if I go into a sales pitch, I always speak about the lifestyle. So at the end of the day, in my opinion, you're selling a lifestyle. Yeah. I'm selling a youth market in X area, and this market likes this. Um, so in my opinion, um, you're selling that lifestyle. So it should go far more about that. Um, but unfortunately, there will always, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever walked into a sales meeting or a meeting with a client where they don't ask for numbers. Unfortunately, it is still very kind of not black and white in that area, but yeah, most clients are going to ask for a number. So it is important. Um, it is important. But for me, the lifestyle is far more important. So if you can, if I can explain that as a youth, you know, targeting a youth market, the youth is now interested in finances far more than I was when I was in that age, for instance. I can then sell that to an APSA bank and say, yes, this life insurance product is now attractive to a youth market because they are now far more concerned about their financial well-being than I was when I was that age, and here's the data to support that. Um, so for me, the lifestyle element is far more important. Uh, but yes, as Intumaleng says, it, is, it definitely is still a thing. People do still ask for listenership numbers. They do still ask for, especially on the digital side. Um, you know, and that's the difficulty with radio. It isn't directly measurable. You can't, you can't say 45,000 people heard your advert when it went out at 9 o'clock this morning. You can't do that. Um, you can do that with social media. So yeah, that is far more easy, far more easy to say, look, X amount of people saw your ad or liked your ad or interacted with your ad on our Instagram platform or whatever the case is. Um, so yeah, numbers are still important, but for me, the lifestyle element is is far bigger. And, and I would hope to see a place where, you know, one day people are not asking for numbers anymore, but they're rather asking about the lifestyle elements. It seems like a very, very complex situation here because um, I think um, when I look from a radio perspective, features play a very important role here. Dumeleng, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong. And well, Leanne too. But it seems like it does play a huge role here. Can you hear me, Dumeleng? Yes, I can okay. hear you. I can hear so you. it seems like that is the that is a very complex situation. Do you think radio features, like Leanne has pointed out, for, for instance, like a financial feature, do you think that's a very strategic and creative way to enable and enhance your audience on a certain, you know, on a certain topic? So for instance, um, if, a, if, an, if an organization like Standard Bank wants to advertise their brand, do you think instead of having their it's a lot on the drive time show, it's better to have it on the financial show, for instance? Do you think that's the better way now instead of, you know, them wasting, you know, um, airtime on just the drive time? Do you think that features now play a more important role now? Yeah, well, I, I think the best way is a multi-layered approach. Okay. Uh, like Leanne was saying, it's very difficult for you to say, oh, we just played your ad and now 50,000 people were able to listen to it, or we managed to reach 50,000 people. But if you look at how BRC conducts uh, research, for example, they're able to give you that average number, you know, which I always have questions since the inception of BRC. Uh, shout out to them anyway. Um, so if you get, um, you get an average number of 20,000, for example, and some clients, the clients that will say to you, but we looked at BRC numbers. Unfortunately, there are clients that will 
that will just rely on those numbers, you know, and you need to put on a strong case. So I'll give you an example. I'm not going to mention the name of a client that wanted us to run a campaign for them on campus radio. And they came with numbers they got from, from BRC. And I said to them, we can't just play 30 seconds uh, adverts uh, across, uh, I mean, on, on specific shows, because also we are not able to say to you out of the 50,000 listeners we have or the 1,000 listeners that we sometimes get, you know, the 300 comes from this lot, you know, but if we've got an average number of listeners, you know, average code and code number that you come with, the best way for us to reach the maximum possible audience is a multi-layered approach. So a combination of features and adverts and mentions across the different, um, uh, the different shows would be good. It's obviously budget dependent. But for me, if you want to reach the maximum possible, that that would be the approach. But then you have clients that say, no, we just want to, to sponsor your afternoon drive show. We are more interested in people that listen to the radio in the afternoon. Then you need to find ways of coming up with throw forwards and throw bags, you know, that you can hoy in, in shows that come before and after. So, so that you, it's sort of like billboards that will drive the listenership to that specific show. So, so, so again, it again, be a one size yeah, before. again, lifestyle, as Leanne has pointed out, plays a, an important yes. role here, but in a very creative Crucial. way, as you've stated. Yes, creativity is very important, and you and the creativity is mostly inspired by your understanding of the lifestyle of a person you want to appeal to. Yeah. Uh, NWFM, um, I'm very, very lucky to be a product of it. And I think once you came in, I think you envisioned something totally different. I think unlike many other people, you you kind of see what, you know what you want for the station. Um, but now, like every other campus radio station, there's always going to be challenges. Overcoming those challenges are not easy. And uh, I think convincing the right stakeholders and, and so on is also isn't as easy how do you jumeling find it now as nwfm how do you guys how do you envision the station let's say in the next five of well three to five years and the reason why i'm asking this because i still feel like there's so much fertile ground at that radio station um what do you envision now yeah well as as a campus radio station we obviously aiming for high um in all respects we don't want to lose the respect of being a campus radio station. We want to remain true to our identity. We don't want to convert to commercial or community radio. That is the most important thing. And that is what we've been punting on air. Is that since possible? I got here that, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> it is possible. It okay. is possible for, you know, there's this, that possibility of wanting to be influenced by commercial or PBS, mm. and you start wanting to sound like them, yeah. you know? So we, there, I pick up that a lot with a lot of radio stations that, you know, the names are there in their shelves, but you do pick up that, you know, there is somehow a loss of identity. So we want to remain true to that, but we also don't want to be away from the community. So we are, we are looking at ways now of how we can be involved in the community with through different community outreach programs without losing 
our identity. That is one. Number two, we are looking into growing um, our digital audience. You know, how best can we embrace the the online space and and you know looking to be more creative around uh, how we do campaigns. I mean, we I think we it's us and and Peck FM. We are the only two campus stations in the province, okay. and we we get we get you know we get government and municipalities approaching us for you know for adverts and for business and we don't want you know we are also very careful how we run some of the campaigns the campaigns that we choose not to run because they are i mean we can't run a, a municipal election debate for 2 hours on air that is just a, an example so in the next 5 years we want to grow our listeners on fm but we want we want also to get more engagements online you know uh, from our social media platforms and even from the audio streaming and our recent, recently launched um uh, podcast um portal where we want to run content there that is you know mostly content that was run on air so like you say there's still quite a lot uh, to be done in the next three years or so, but we we don't want to be left behind. We, we want to start entering for radio awards more, <laughs> you know. Um, ah, say so, that louder. So yeah, we yeah yeah. So we also want to you know want to play that developmental role. We want we also want to hear uh, some of our presenters in in big platforms. And we, we look back with pride and say we, we did play our part. Leanne, um, we all know that Tux FM has been, you know, has nurtured so much talent. A lot of people who are in the commercial broadcasting scene are products of, of Tux FM. Talking about identity, Tux FM is always, I've always, always intertwined it with an, a community radio station. How do you, got, how do you maintain that identity? Because I think identity is really really important here how do you always maintain that okay listen we have such a strong audience and such a strong um you know strong listenership as dumilenga stated how do you guys maintain that um identity as a a student's brand well again comes down to the content that we're putting out um making sure that we know who we're speaking to um, and putting out content and i'm talking about content across the board here so music news um information um, putting out content that is that resonates with that audience, yeah. um, and I think your audience kind of tells you whether or not you're hitting the the, the spot there. Um, I mean, just to give you an example, when I when I came to Tax FM in in 2018, the average age of our listener was was 29, um, and I mean that that told me straight away that you know something was slightly off in terms of the content that we were putting out. Um, to, to, to attract such an old, um, 29 is not old, uh, but I mean, obviously being a youth brand, um, we want to speak to the 16 to 24 year old market. Um, so yeah, I think it's just about knowing exactly who your, who your audience is and, and, and giving them what they want every, on, on every touch point at the time that they want it. Um, so it's integrating the on-air with the digital, which I think is very important, especially for our markets, because our market is, as I've mentioned before, digital natives, um, so being, being able to reach them not only on, on the FM feed, which is obviously our main focus as a radio station, um, but then to also have content going out on YouTube and on IGTV and on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, so having reaching them at all those different touch points where they may be at any one given point, because 
you know, the, the youth of today is not listening to radio as much as we used to um, as a youth uh, in general. Obviously, we're talking about, you know, your student market, which is your higher SEM markets. And um, they aren't necessarily only listening to radio because there are so many more options available to them now. Um, so it's just being able to reach them on, on all of the different touch points where they may be. So be it on, you know, Instagram, like I said, or, or YouTube or whatever the case may be, um, and just giving them content that is relevant to them. And that's how you keep them coming back all the time. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it is about your identity, like you said, um, just maintaining a brand that is youthful. Um, it's also about your imaging, you know. Um, so, so the jingles that you've got going out, what they sound like and whether they're young and vibrant and uh, the activations that you're doing. So the brands that you're, you're teaming up with when you're doing events, for instance. Um, so making sure that, that all of those, those elements that you bring in, which are incorporated with your brand, are speaking to your market. Um, and then I think that reflects a youthful, vibrant market, assuming, again, you are speaking to a youth market. So in essence, um, reinvention is very important for you guys. Absolutely. And again, it comes with the youth market. You need, they're, they're evolving all the time. They're changing all the time. And along with the, with the, the radio the space as, it's, as a whole, changing all the time as a result of, of technological advances, um, you're needing to evolve with your market all the time. Know what they want, when they want it, how they want it, and give it to them and, and be there for them at that level that they're expecting you to be there as a youth brand. I mean, look, I've always been, I've always been um, very jealous as to why on earth does Tux FM just keep scooping so much awards at the radio awards. And I think now because you've just, you know, clarified it for me that you guys just keep reinventing yourselves. And I think many, many commercial community and campus radio stations just don't do that well. And at least just knowing your audience is very important. So I think thank you for highlighting that because I just never understood. I never understood that why on earth does Tux FM do so well? And um, but it only makes sense now that you've highlighted that, you know, reinventioning and repositioning yourself is ex- extremely important. So tell me, how do you envision Tux FM now? What's what's the what's the green light now? Because in, in, in light of this whole COVID mess, surely there's been, you know, some mess within the department, too. So how, what's what's the next step now for Tux FM? Yeah, so COVID has has messed with us very, very badly, as I'm sure it has them, um, you know, most most businesses. Um, our focus for the next while, um, I don't want to put a timestamp on it because things are changing so fast for the environment now. Um, the but for the next the six so-called months, new normal. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So yeah, for the next um, six months, perhaps the next year, um, our focus is very, very much on the digital. So obviously, again, as a radio station, we focus on the terrestrial feed that's always going to be there for us. So growing the numbers, making sure that we're putting out quality content that resonates with our market all the time. And that, of course, is always going to be a focus. Um, But for us, uh, improving our digital output is a major, major focus, considering the fact that because of COVID, um, the digital space, the movement towards the digital space has has so rapidly increased. Um, So, yeah, we're focusing a lot on YouTube, a lot on IGTV, um, putting out quality content um, on those platforms. So the video platforms are obviously very important. And then of course the audio platforms as well. So like podcasts, like what you're doing, um, these are all very, very big focuses for us going forward. And then of course speaking, you know, to the social media space as a whole. Um, So all of our social media platforms, those are gonna be a major, major focus for us as a complement to what we're doing on air. So we don't necessarily, I don't believe in regurgitating what you've got on air on your socials. So we don't do things like, um, you know, putting interviews that we're doing on our socials, say, hey, listen to Tax FM on our socials at this time. I don't believe that. I believe that the on-air and the digital feeds are their own beasts, so they need their own content. 
uh, as much as they should complement each other. I'm not saying they should be completely distinct. Um, they should complement each other. Certainly, you want the one to support the other. Uh, but yeah, for us, it's just focusing on the digital a lot um, and making sure that we are creating quality content that resonates with our market to put out on a regular basis uh, so, to our market on those digital feeds. So you work, you're, basically your content here does not work um, simultaneously on what's happening on radio and what's happening on your digital platforms. Is that what you're saying? That's right. So um, that's that's actually uh, was quite a point of contention uh, when I first came in because I, 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 I honestly, I don't believe that they're, they're different platforms and they need to be treated as such. So each platform has got its strengths and its weaknesses. I mean, you can't post something on Facebook as is copy paste and put it on Instagram. It doesn't work. Instagram is a visual platform. Facebook is more of a, you know, you can speak more of a story there. There's, there's more room for text. There's more room for kind of background explanation. Twitter is also kind of a one quick in and out kind of thing where people don't really engage as much, but you kind of push information out. Uh, so each platform is its own little thing. And I think it, it needs to be treated as such. Um, so yes, you can repurpose one piece of content for the different platforms, I think, uh, but they definitely do need to be tailored, I think. Um, and yeah, for me, the radio, the, the, the terrestrial feed and the digital feeds are their own beasts. So as much as, like I said, they should complement each other, definitely. You want to attract your market from one of your platforms to another of your platforms, be that between the digital and terrestrial, definitely. Um, so I'm not saying they should be mutually exclusive at all, but um, you know, they, they should complement each other, but have their own content going out on them, even if it is a piece of content that's been repurposed for that specific platform. Ijumiling, this COVID mess, I'm sure, has really, really pissed you off, without, without a doubt. And um, I think, uh, like, like Liana stated, there's been a few bumps here and there. What's your challenge now? And what's your, well, not your challenge, really, because what's your, what's your how, how do you envision this now? So what's the next step um, in this new hash, you know, hashtag quote-unquote new normal? Yeah, well, it's like Leon said and like you correctly pointed out, it has hit every one of us. I mean, the big guys, the small guys, the medium-sized guys. So we also pushing on the same uh, approach of seeing, uh, looking into um, digital strategies uh, that we can you know, use to grow the audience because like Leanne said, you know, these young audiences is more digital. So we are pushing for that. And what is nice is that the university also has just adopted a new uh, digital business strategy uh, to see how best to embrace digital to achieve their business objectives. So we fit in very well into the university's business strategy and it becomes easy for them to fund our digital initiatives. So the focus now is to make sure that we we have a very strong digital presence and we can only achieve that if we are creative in the type of content we, we produce. And um, we don't repeat what is there, but like Leanne said, you repurpose and you look at a different angle of approaching something. So we don't want a Facebook page, for example, to be a a Facebook version of a radio show, but get a clip from a show and then create a piece of content that would say to whoever is looking or whoever is watching the content can say, maybe I should tune into this radio station because the, the type of content they're pushing there is very interesting. So the, the approach is more digital. And, and most companies, are if you, if you look at uh, current literature, you look at current research, 
uh, most uh, companies, even in the agricultural sector, you know, agricultural, financial, insurance, people are pushing for, 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 for digital, you know. So yeah, our focus now is, is making sure that we have a strong digital presence and see how we can monetize it so that we can run our daily um, operations. Leanne, I've had, uh, I think I've got so much respect for both of you. And I think you guys are both, both bullies in the game. I always, I always see you guys as like the campus, incu- campus radio station incub- incubators, you know, and uh, you don't see it in that the same way I do. But I think both of you guys are doing <laughs> remarkably well. And Leanne, thank you. Thank you for joining Brains Behind Media. Have we lost her? I think we lost her. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think yeah, no, I think the the, the internet attacks are famous shut down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think so. No, no, no it won't. Yeah. It won't. <laughs> no, listen, I'll I'll talk to her offline. Thank you so much. Uh I think you and I both I have immense respect for you and thank you so much for joining in. Thanks, thanks a lot, Darabo. And yeah, keep the fire burning, man. <laughs>